Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Author of the award-winning book, The Plan A Diet, combining whole food plant-based nutrition with the timeless wisdom of scripture, Sid Nodder hosts a monthly inflammation support group for the plant-based nutrition support group, pbnsg.org. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Sid Nodder. Greening Sid, welcome Sid. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, I am so excited to have you here. There's so many people that talk about inflammation and there's so much that we still need to know about it. And I'm so glad because you agreed not to just to talk about it, but you're going to teach us about it. And you're even going to do a presentation, which is so important because people love to do screenshots when they see important things. And you had told me that you're going to talk about common contributors to inflammation and and you're going to tell people which diseases and everyday ailments that are linked to it and about the foods what's inflammatory what's not inflammatory that gets really confusing and not only that but why because I'm I'm a person I need to know why and it really helps to to keep me on track when I know why and most of all and most important is you're going to talk about what we can do about it to get relief and maybe I hope we'll have time that you'll talk about some tips about packaged foods and what we can do, because there are some plant-based foods that people eat and that those could be some, there can be some culprits there. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was a class that I taught at our local college for a while. And today you're getting more of a condensed version, you know, in the interest of time. But I'm still packed with great information for anybody that's suffering with inflammation or just trying to prevent it. Well, that's wonderful. So everybody, get your thinking caps on. That's what my, one of my elementary school teachers used to say. Yeah. <laughs> put your thinking caps on and, and get ready to take notes because this is going to be very valuable information. But of course, before we begin, I would like everybody to join in with our true or false game. It's time for True or False on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below, and Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. Okay, so we're going to maybe do some other true or false questions later on, but before the presentation, and Sid thought that this would be a great question. So Green Warriors, type in, please type in T or F, because if you type in the word false, it won't look good on on the social media. <laughs> so just T or F. So T or F, inflammation is a negative bodily function that should be eliminated. Okay, so Green Warriors, type in your guess for that. And while you do that, Sid, why don't you tell us the answer? The answer is false with a caveat, but mostly false because inflammation is designed to protect us. It's the body's, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. It's the body's uh, guard dog, I call it. When we're when the body senses something going on that's not right, inflammation uh, begins to heal those things uh, that it senses as a threat. But when inflammation overstays its welcome, then it's not so good. And we'll talk about that in a second. Oh, I think that inflammation has probably overstayed its welcome for a lot of people and especially yeah. people that are watching and listening. So I'm so happy that you're going to talk about that and help us learn about it. So are, did you want to start your presentation now? Sure. Why not? Because it ties right in with the first question. So that'd be great. Excellent. Well, let's then let's get started. All right. So let's go to here. So what is inflammation? First of all, is the body's natural response. Again, whenever it detects the threat of harm or the body's natural defense system. And throughout most of human history, inflammation was considered to be a good thing, right? So we don't want to totally eliminate inflammation. But there's two types of inflammation. There's acute and chronic. So acute inflammation, oops, I went a little too fast there. Here we go. Oh, I see. I have to show the whole slide. Okay, I thought it was going to go in by little sections, but we'll just talk about the whole slide. So acute inflammation, again, is the body's response to like an injury or a splinter or a cut or a burn. 
And our body rushes immune cells to that area to start repairing and regenerating that damage. Now, pain, redness, and swelling and heat, if you've ever stubbed your toe or cut yourself, you know that that area gets all swollen. And in fact, the word inflammation comes from the Latin word inflammare, which means to set on fire. So that's why we get all hot and red. And inflammation is designed to protect us. It only lasts a short time so that the healing can begin. So acute inflammation is a very localized, specific response to an injury or an infection, and it's aimed at resolving a problem. And you know this, Amy, our bodies are so amazing. They're always striving to heal. They're always striving to heal. And this inflammation and immune system is just one way that it does that. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to gonna be lighter on the click. But chronic inflammation, on the other hand, or metabolic inflammation is the body's way of protecting us when there's something lurking there long-term. It's not a a, a short-term thing, but something's lurking in the body that should not be there. And our immune system goes on high alert because that threat is always there. And it keeps sending immune cells out into the system trying to protect us. And it's those activated immune cells that actually result in the persistent, systematic, and chronic low-grade levels of inflammation that play a big part in the majority of our diseases. So an overactive immune system results when inflammation overstays its welcome. And at that time, it's no longer protecting us. It's actually damaging to us. So and here's something a lot of people don't know is that inflammation always starts with the immune system. And it really is a double-edged sword because it's designed to protect us in the short term. But it's quite damaging when it stays in a chronic state. Then our, you know, our body's in a chronic state of like being painful and swollen and red all over internally. So several things can contribute to inflammation. I'll go through these rather quickly. The body sees all of these things as threats, like when we have tissue injury or damage or an infection or irritants, toxins, pollutants, even just being overweight because our fat cells secrete something called an inflammatory cytokine cell. Our own fat tissues actually secrete that. And I'll talk about cytokines as we go along because those are the bad boys. And then those, those cytokine cells recruit other cells to join in and do damage. So they are really nasty things. And um, they also are involved when we have a fever or pain. And then back to the list, being sedentary also increases our pro-inflammatory markers. But when we're physically active, um, you know, that decreases our pro-inflammatory markers. Smoking contributes to inflammation because nicotine activates a white blood cell called neutrophils, which in turn leads to inflammation. Having high LDL cholesterol or uh, bacteria or viruses or parasites, chronic stress, poor sleep habits, all of these factors contribute to inflammation because, again, the body is sensing some type of threat as a result of these things. But by far, the greatest factor and the primary driver of chronic disease and inflammation is what we put directly into our bodies probably three times a day, and that is our food choices. Our food choices matter more than any other factor, according to the research. Even those environmental toxins and our genetics, the food um, is, is a bigger factor in inflammation than even those things. And it's linked to almost every one of our chronic ailments and diseases, uh, acid reflux, allergies, even dementia, arthritis, which is the one that most people associate with inflammation, right, when their joints hurt, asthma, bronchitis, autoimmune diseases. That's when our body is um, attacking itself rather than those things it's trying to, to fight off. And then cancer, Crohn's disease, IBS, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, osteoporosis. Anything ending in itis means that part of the body is inflamed, like bronchitis, right? Your bronchial tube is inflamed. Plantar fasciitis, that part in your foot is inflamed. So anything ending in itis indicates that that part of the body is inflamed. So since most people relate arthritis mostly, let's just talk briefly about the two types of arthritis. The first one is osteoarthritis, and that's the breakdown of cartilage in the joints 
that can result in some stiffness and inflammation, but the inflammation is not occurring as the result of an altered immune system. It's generally like wear and tear on our joints or sometimes due to a traumatic injury to the joint. The other type, oops, excuse me, is inflammatory arthritis. And there are many different forms of that, including gout and rheumatoid arthritis or RA, which is the most common form. So inflammation of the tendons and ligaments and joint linings, all of these conditions result in pain, stiffness, limited movement, sometimes fatigue even. And we could spend hours talking in depth about any of those conditions, but I just do want to touch on heart disease for one minute since it remains our number one killer and everyone has been affected by it to some degree or they know someone who has. So let's talk about how inflammation harms the heart real quick. So our arteries are actually one of the most likely sites for inflammation to occur. And we don't feel that because there are no nerve endings in our arteries. So our arteries can get inflamed and we're not like, you know, aware of it. And that's because the lining of our arteries is where deposited fats and cholesterol form those little plaques, right, that resemble small sores. And naturally, the body sees those small sores as a threat. And it sends out those immune cells as it should because there's a threat going on in the body. So here's an illustration. So the lining on the inside of our arteries, if you look at the artery on the left there, that thin pink layer on the inside of the artery is what's called our endothelial cells or our endothelial lining. It's really protective and it's only one cell deep. So um, again, those endothelial cells, they produce nitric oxide, which keeps our vessels open and keeps the blood flowing smooth. But when that lining gets damaged, like the artery on the right there, it allows the fat and cholesterol to enter the artery wall, and that paves the way for plaque formation. And again, the body sees our, those plaques as a threat, and it keeps the immune cells dispatched and always activated because of that. All right, let's go on to the next slide here, because here's where it gets even trickier. Those hovering immune cells that our body sends out to to protect us, they actually switch teams. And here's where we get into chronic inflammation. They go from being protective immune cells to damaging immune cells. And when they combine with the fats and cholesterol that's already there, they can actually contribute to more plaque formation and even more inflammation. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And some of those damaging cells are those cytokine cells that we mentioned a minute ago. And those cytokines, they can um, do a whole lot of damage. They can give us, us eczema, like symptoms like eczema and fatigue and arthritis. And let me just share this one study that I found for, uh, that was done in 2018. It uh, was done in, at the La Jolla Institute for Allergy and Immunology. But the AHA, you know, the Heart Association, the Diabetes Association, everybody supported this study. And they examined the role of those uh, inflammatory damaging cells. And they said that a diet high in fat and cholesterol depletes the artery protecting immune cells and turns them into promoters of inflammation, which worsens the plaque buildup that occurs in cardiovascular disease. And that's just what we've been talking about. The uh, researchers also said that inflammation is a key contributor to the hardening and narrowing of the arteries. And they concluded their study by saying, people think that atherosclerosis is just about cholesterol, diet, and exercise, but it's actually an immune disease. The blockage of the arteries is very much due to the immune system reacting to excess cholesterol and lipids or fats in the walls of the blood vessels. With the Western diet, protective cells change to damaging cells causing more inflammation. So that's exactly what we've been talking about. And that's just a little snippet of how inflammation contributes to heart disease when most people don't even realize that that's going on for the most part. So now let's talk about the foods, which foods are inflammatory and which ones are not. So Amy, what do you think people would want to hear, the good news or the bad news? <laughs> are you going to, if we hear the bad, will you also give us the good? Oh, Yeah. Well, I guess it was, we were already having some bad news. So let's go ahead. 
and, and keep on with the bad on. news. Keep, okay, keep on going. Yeah, because I think <laughs> a lot a lot of people are are nodding their heads because most people that are watching are eating a healthy diet. So I think this it'll give them the information that they need. Okay. Well, processed sugar is one of the most inflammatory foods there is out there, specifically refined sugars that's found in soft drinks, fruit juice, sweet teas, pastries, desserts, cookies, candies, and all the other things. <laughs> and that's because sugar stimulates the production of something called a free fatty acid that triggers insulin resistance and inflammation. In fact, just... um. 40 grams of sugar a day, which is a 12-ounce can of pop, triggers the release of those cytokine cells that we talked about, which are so damaging to us, plus weight gain and an increase in LDL cholesterol, too. Another very common uh, inflammatory food are oils, right? Found in olive oil, canola oil, safflower, cottonseed. It does not matter. All oils are inflammatory. And I know this might be surprising to some of you, because oils are often touted as health foods, right, by savvy marketers and even some health professionals that are out there. And oils gained a lot of popularity back in the 1990s when the Mediterranean diet became popular. But I personally personally, am always hesitant to call oil a food because all oil is is the extracted fat from a food, right? It's, it's a food component. It's not really a food. It's oils that has been extracted from plants or fish, and all oils are 100% pure fat. And oils are found everywhere. Margarine, which is typically made with all oils sometimes. Um, I used to buy Earth Balance butter, you know, before I knew better. That is 100% pure fat, pure oil. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that at the time. Um, mayonnaise dips, dressings, bakery items, even certain breads, uh, even peanut butters can have added oil, uh, crackers, frozen entrees. I mean, the list of processed foods goes on and on. I'm sure you're all aware of how many bad processed foods there are out there. But restaurant foods, too, are another caveat because they are typically loaded with oil. And it does not matter if it's a fast food restaurant or a gourmet restaurant. You're going to get oil in your food unless you're very aware of it. So one tablespoon of oil is 120 calories, 14 grams of fat. And not only are they huge weight busters because of that, but they are health busters as well because they damage the endothelial lining that we just talked about on the inside of our arteries, which paves the way for plaque formation. And they're highly inflammatory due to their um, high omega-6 content. So... Omega-6 is a polyunsaturated fat, but it metabolizes into another omega-6 in our system, something called LA, linoleic acid. And that linoleic acid uh, produces a lot of prostaglandins and other uh, fatty molecules that contribute to inflammation. That's why oils, we really have to watch out for those oils. They impair our circulation. They have clotting factors equal to animal fats promote insulin resistance. They lower our good cholesterol while raising the bad. And again, they have a direct toxic effect on those protective endothelial signing cells, which line our arteries. So we want to be really careful about those oils. And I'll share this one other study that I found that was released back in 2018 as well. And this was done at the Heart Institute, a Heart Institute rather in Kansas City, and the researchers there looked at uh, the effect of vegetable oils as a driver of heart disease, and they concluded with this statement. In summary, numerous lines of evidence show that the omega-6 polyunsaturated fat linoleic acid promotes oxidative stress, oxidized LDL, bad cholesterol, chronic low-grade inflammation, and atherosclerosis, and is likely a major dietary culprit for causing um, cardiovascular disease, especially when consumed as vegetable oils. So there we have it. What really caught my eye in this study is that the researchers said that the intake of omega-6 fatty acids can be even more damaging to our endothelial lining than saturated fat, which took me by shock because we all know how bad saturated fat is. So this might be a good time if anybody has a, a question or a question 
If you have a question, just type it in the comments and we will read it to Sid. And we're also going to be doing some true or false questions as well. And I know that there was one coming up around about oil. So I'm sure that that'll be coming up soon. Yeah, why don't we um, do the true and false about oil? Okay. All right. Well, true or false, and please type in T or F. Coconut oil is an exception to the rule and is fine to consume in small amounts. So what do you think, Green Warriors, T or F? Okay, Sid, why don't you let us know what the answer to that is? The answer is a big, giant false. (laughs) There's no exception. Coconut oil falls right in there with the other oils. It's 100% liquid fat, and 92% of it is saturated fat. Okay, let's put that in perspective. A A tablespoon of lard has five grams of saturated fat, and a tablespoon of coconut oil has 12. So that's more than double the saturated fat as lard. And the reason this matters is because saturated fat is rated as the most pro-inflammatory food component. So think about that. Saturated fat, 92% saturated fat in coconut oil. And it's the most pro-inflammatory food component. Not only that, but, you know, it contributes to type 2 diabetes and plaque formation and uh, dementia and so much more. So beware of those savvy marketers who are promoting coconut oil because what they've done is taken a small kernel of truth about it and spun a big tail around it. So we need to really do our research. Anne said, wow. And Anne also had a question for you. Okay. She wants to know, is the correlation for being fat strong? Is the correlation to being fat? Yeah. Strong. I'm not quite sure. I, I think that you were, when you were talking about inflammation and you talked about the different reasons for, for getting inflammation. And I oh. think that you may have been talking about fat on the body. Maybe that's what she's uh, asking about. It definitely is. There's a lot of studies that promote uh, that show that being overweight or obese is a big contributor to inflammation because our fat tissues are releasing those cytokine cells on their own, you know, so The more we can uh, get back to an ideal body weight, the less inflammation will be going on in our system. Do you have a certain BMI in mind when you talk about ideal body weight? Um, I don't really haven't thought about that. An ideal BMI. What do you do? You have one, Amy? Do you think there's an ideal? Well, I follow Dr. Furman, and he he has a lower BMI than what uh, our physicians might say is mm-hmm. is a BMI. So he, he thinks that we should be in the low 20s. Mm-hmm. So which would really make us look very, very thin, more like we were from Asia or something. And he thinks that that's where we should be. Because he he agrees with what you're saying that excess fat on the body is, is well, it has a lot of other deleterious outcomes as well. But inflammation is one of them. Yeah. Isn't the standard like 25 is a normal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's more like in the low, lower twenties. Okay. That, that he thinks. Yeah. So, and you know, the reason why I asked that is because what is overweight when you're an American and so many people are overweight or obese around you, then what is normal? Right. You know, and, and so for many people, they think that they're fine, but maybe they're not. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just comparing themselves to most of the population and thinking, well, I'm slimmer than that person, so I guess I'm okay. So that's what I just was curious about that. But yeah, I think a lot of people who have adopted this lifestyle are wondering, why do I still have pain, chronic pain? And why do I still have these issues? And it may very well be that they still need to work on eliminating more fat from their body in order Mm -hmm. to to, uh, benefit from this lifestyle. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anne said, no. got it. Thanks. Great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next inflammatory food then, which are uh, trans fats, hydrogenated oils. And the government has cracked down on this a little bit. They say there's no safe amount, even our government, who's really quite lenient with food manufacturers. But these are oils that have been treated, heated and treated with hydrogen making them kind of a solid food. So you'll find it in fast food, frozen pizza, cookies, crackers, ready-to-use frostings, coffee creamer, frozen pies, 
Um, you got to be a, a sleuth label reader these days to know what you're ingesting. But these trans fats are a double whammy because they increase our bad cholesterol while lowering the good cholesterol. Um, they promote obesity, uh, insulin resistance, and they lead to so many health problems. And again, um, this is like a shortening type of thing, you know, when when oil is, is heat converted with hydrogen into a solid, almost like a lard. So again, the, even our government says there's no safe amount. But so when they cracked down on food manufacturers about this, the food manufacturers started replacing it with palm oil, you know, not a big improvement there. They're still using oils. Okay, let's move on to meats and processed meats. How do they contribute to inflammation? Well, again, the one of the biggest reasons is the saturated fat, which is the single most pro-inflammatory food component. Plus, meats contain uh, this acidic sugar molecule called NEU5GC, which is found in meats, fish, and some dairy products, but it is not found in humans. So our body sees that molecule as foreign, right? And it tries to combat it because it doesn't recognize it. That is a trigger for inflammation. Cholesterol is another reason. And cholesterol triggers inflammation. And because as we showed on those heart slides earlier, it becomes a vicious cycle because inflammation speeds up the accumulation of cholesterol and cholesterol in turn produces more inflammation and on and on because the cholesterols are hardening into those plaques which can rupture and lead to blood clots and cause those heart attacks or strokes. And just remember, plant, plant foods contain zero cholesterol, so we don't have to worry about that here. <laughs> also, there's factory farm meats. If you're eating factory farm meats, they are fed a diet high in omega-6 fatty acids, which are also inflammatory, as we mentioned. And studies confirm that the more animal protein we eat, the higher levels of inflammatory markers there are in our blood. Meat also contains AGEs, advanced glycation end products, which are they're harmful compounds that are formed when protein or fat combine with sugar in our bloodstream. That's a process called glycation. And AGEs can either form inside of our body or in the foods that we eat. Uh, and when meat is cooked, like on high temperatures with grilling and frying and sauteing and all of that, that the levels of AGEs can skyrocket in meat when they're cooked that way, but they contain AGEs at any time, but they are, um, you know, they're elevated during high cooking. Okay, went too fast again. Then next is dairy products like milk, butter, cheese, yogurt, ice cream, pudding, sour cream. Again, they're high in saturated fat, those AGEs that we just talked about, and toxins. And, um, cheese is the highest source of saturated fat in the American diet. So let's get that out there. We just talked about saturated fat being the most pro-inflammatory. And what's the highest source of saturated fat in the American diet is cheese. And when you watch TV, it's double cheese, everything cheese. We've got the meats covered with cheese. You know, you just want to scream. <laughs> I don't know if it affects you that way, Amy, but it does make me want to scream sometimes. Well, sometimes I order a salad and I forget to say, oh, no cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus, um, dairy is a common allergen that can trigger inflammatory responses like stomach distress or constipation, diarrhea, skin rashes, and hives. And most people don't even realize they're uh, allergic to dairy or sensitive to it until they stop eating it. And then they realize how much better they feel. So this might be a good time for another true and false question. Okay. So we had one about uh, flowers. Is that the one that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So Green Warriors, type in T or F, products made with enriched flowers, such as store-bought cookies, cereals, and crackers, would not be inflammatory if they don't contain dairy. Hmm. Type in T or F is your guess. And Sid, what's the answer? The answer is false. They are still inflammatory. Let me explain why. Refined grains that you find in most uh, products in the store, if it says enriched flour, you're looking at a refined grain typically. 
Now we know that whole grains are promoting health, but the refined grains like the white bread, white flour, certain noodles, cakes, cookies, biscuits, pastries, cereals, and pretzels, they lead to inflammation because the grains have been stripped of their outer coatings and they're devoid of any fiber, which spikes our blood sugar and causes that pro-inflammatory reaction called glycation. So remember, we talked about um, saturated fat being the most pro-inflammatory food component. Fiber is the most anti-inflammatory food component, right? And so when they strip these grains, they're stripping off the fiber. And other things that can lead to inflammation would be the regular consumption of alcohol because it can damage the intestinal lining and lead to something called leaky gut, and which drives inflammation throughout the entire body. Alcohol also suppresses the immune system, and it really affects the key function of uh, certain organs. So the Arthritis Foundation, they've even listed several warnings about drinking. If you're taking NSAID drugs, which are the NSAID drugs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like Aleve or ibuprofen or acetaminophen, so if, if you are drinking while taking those, I, I encourage you to go check out the, um, the Arthritis Foundation's website about the warnings about drinking if you're taking NSAIDs. And then food additives and artificial sweeteners. Well, of course, the body is going to see those products as foreign because they're man-made. You know, there's nothing natural about those. And it's going to dispatch those immune cells to try to combat that threat. And people who are suffering from RA, or the rheumatoid arthritis, are especially susceptible to inflammation triggered by these additives. And then lastly is fill in the blank. And this is for any food allergy or sensitivity that a person might have. Of course, the most common are gluten, dairy, nuts, eggs, and nightshade vegetables. If you're sensitive to solanine, um, you might be, you know, be triggering an inflammatory response from that. Okay, that's enough of the bad news now. <laughs> Should we get to some good news for a change? Oh, yes. We love the good news. All right. Here we go. Starches, right? We love our potatoes and beans, and rice, legumes, and whole grains because they contain anti-inflammatory pro properties like resistant starch, fiber, and anthocyanins or flavonoids. Vegetables, fruits, mushrooms, dark greens, all of which are high in antioxidants, lycopene, flavonoids, carotenoids, fiber. Again, there's our friend fiber. And we're going to talk a little bit about fiber, folic acid, and other anti-inflammatory properties. And again, we mentioned that uh, fiber is the most anti-inflammatory property. And where is fiber found? Fiber is only found in plant foods. Now, let's look at... Um, the grains, we just talked about the refined grains, but the whole grains like steel cut oats, brown rice, barley, quinoa, buckwheat, wild rice, all are high in fiber. They boost the immune system and they feed the beneficial gut bacteria, which is amazing. Fiber feeds our good gut bacteria, while the animal and processed foods feed our pathogenic gut bacteria. And so our good bacteria thrive on fiber and that reduces our risk of inflammation because of the fiber. It might be time for a true and false here when we're talking about soy foods. All right. Green yeah. Warriors, T or F. Type in T or F. Whole soy foods such as tofu, soy milk, and tempeh are anti-inflammatory foods. T or F. Type in your guess. Sid, what's the answer? The answer is true. They are an anti-inflammatory food. Whole soy foods. Now we're talking about tofu, soy milk, tempeh. We're not talking about the isolated soy protein foods. That's a different story. But whole soy foods are very anti-inflammatory because of the isoflavones, the omega-3s, and the phytoestrogens. Also nuts and seeds. Oh, back to the tofu thing. I always advise that uh, any tofu products should be purchased organic or at least non-GMO. Uh, so if you're worried about soy for the estrogen, you know, I, that's all been debunked. I have a whole article about that on my website. So if you don't like soy food, there's no need to eat it. But if you, if you want to make a chocolate pudding out of your tofu or put some tofu in a stir fry, then there's no need to exclude it either if it's a whole soy food. 
nuts and seeds too, like walnuts, um, almonds, Brazil nuts, chia seed, ground flax seed are very anti-inflammatory because of the omega-3, the magnesium, and the vitamin E. And then herbs and spices, as the ones listed here, contain antioxidants and powerful chemical compounds that are known to lower inflammation, support the immune system, and improve our digestion. Another thing we should think about is green tea, which is a rich source of polyphenols and catechins. And there's one called epigalactin, wait, epigalactocatech, wait, <laughs> epigalactocatechin 3 gaylite or GECGC. It must sure. be important because it's a big word. Yeah. <laughs> and that compound has particularly potent anti-inflammatory effects. So purchase high quality green tea and brew it correctly for the maximum benefits. So overall, plant foods contain fiber, of course, uh, the only foods that contain fiber. There's no fiber in milk or pork chops or salmon or eggs or chicken or dairy-based yogurt, zero fiber. But it is crucial to our health. We all know that fiber is so crucial. Um, it lowers our risk of so many diseases, and the, especially beans and legumes and split peas, chickpeas. Beans are a great source of um, butyrate. So when we eat fiber, it releases, releases butyrate into our bloodstream, which is a very anti-inflammatory um, property that has broad effects throughout our whole body. So when someone asks, where are you getting your protein? I like to say, really, where are you getting your butyrate? Because that's even more important, your fiber. <laughs> and again, fiber is only found in plant foods. And the RDA for fiber is about 32 grams of day a day, but less than 3% of Americans are meeting that RDA. They're getting about half of that, about 15 to 17 grams of fiber a day. Now, the healthiest populations on earth are eating at least 45 grams or more of fiber a day. And a whole food plant-based diet easily can supply 50, 60, or more grams of health-promoting fiber each and every day. And again, it's only found in plant foods. And again, we're talking about fiber from plant foods, not fiber from the functional man-made fiber products like Fiber One or Benefiber. Those products do have some benefits but not the same benefit as when we eat our fiber directly from food. Okay, I'm going to share this little tidbit with you. This is called the Dietary Inflammatory Index. It came out in 2009, and it was developed by the American Institute for Cancer Research, supported by the National Institute for Health and the Prevent Cancer Foundation. And their goal was to evaluate the implications of chronic inflammation on major diseases. So the index doesn't rate foods per se, but it, it rates like overall the parameters of food, like the saturated fat and the cholesterol. And so the higher, um, more, the more processed food and animal foods with saturated fat are the pro-inflammatory diets. And they had a higher score on the index where the anti-inflammatory diets had a lower score. So the higher scores, this is just so eye-opening, equated to lower function of the kidneys, lungs, liver, and higher risks of cardiovascular disease, impaired memory, mental health, type 2 diabetes, all these issues. And get this, a 75 increased percent odds of getting cancer by eating a pro-inflammatory diet. Now that almost floored me, Amy, the first time I saw it, that statistic. I had to go back and like double check that. Yeah. So the more inflammation that we can prevent, this is why it's so important to keep an eye on the inflammation. I mean, even if you're eating a vegan diet, some of these inflammatory foods can still be in there. You know, the, you just, the list that we went through, question yourself and ask if you're consuming any of those. The researchers also, at the end of the study, they said that uh, when it comes to the use of those NSAID drugs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they said that those drugs can reduce the risk of some cancers, but they come along with adverse side effects. And they said that dietary modification is safer and more beneficial than the drugs. So I want to highlight that in bold, right? Dietary modification is safer and more beneficial than the NSAID drugs. So we have a lot of control. 
So what can you do about it if you suspect you have inflammation? Well, um, there's a blood test that you can get called the C CRP, the C-reactive protein test, which is a measurement of any chronic inflammation going on somewhere in your body. It's not going to tell you where it is, just that it's in your body. And C CRP, C-reactive protein, is produced in the liver and levels rise in our system when inflammation is present. So having a CRP level, ideally, they're kept under one milligram per liter. But um, professionals have said that there's a risk when it comes to cardiovascular disease, having a, a reading of between two and three indicates a moderate risk of heart disease and higher than three indicates a higher risk. But most, unfortunately, most levels of Americans today are well over one, suggesting that most of us are indeed suffering from chronic inflammation. So if you get your CRP tested and you find out you're, you have a high level, the best thing to do would be to determine the underlying cause of it and address it with lifestyle changes. Because as we mentioned, diet is by far the biggest factor. So if you suspect that inflammatory foods are the root cause of why you've got a high reading there, then of course the, the solution would be to consume different foods and you know do a test, have your blood checked again. Because as we know, Amy and I know, and you know too, the body is always striving to heal itself. And when we cooperate by giving it the foods that it needs to heal, then it can begin to reverse some of those underlying issues. So if you uh, do need to take medication for relief of inflammation, and this is just general, this is not specific advice to anybody. This is general dietary advice. Uh, anybody's taking um, drugs to relieve inflammation, it should be done in conjunction with making those diet and lifestyle changes and gradually reduce the, the or eliminate the meds that you would need. Work with your doctor on that, of course. Okay, other lifestyle changes would be to quit smoking. We talked about why that's inflammatory. Um, exercise, reduce your stress levels, lose weight. Again, that body fat that we talked about. Uh, dozens of studies have shown that obesity is strongly associated with increased CRP levels. You know, that goes back to that earlier question. But again, by far the biggest and best thing you can do is to consume the most anti-inflammatory and health-promoting diet available, a high-fiber, densely nutritious, whole food plant-based diet, which has been shown to reduce CRP levels by 30% in just two weeks. All right. One little claim here to be aware of the miracle drugs that are out there. I have a relative that fell into the cactus juice commercial. You know, the cactus juice was going to reduce her inflammation. Of course it did not, but <laughs> it's the overall total dietary pattern that matters more than, um, more than any of these things that are out there. You've probably seen commercials for this type of thing. And, and these, even the Arthritis Foundation has a list of things that are fraudulent. So you might want to go there and, and see if something you're considering, uh, if a supplement or some other bracelet or something, you just need to investigate that before you um, go into that. And remember that it's the total dietary pattern that matters the most, right? So it, I know if you just add a few of those anti-inflammatory foods to an already poor diet, you're not going to see much change. It's the total pattern that matters. And here I'll just show a few of our favorite recipes that are all highly anti-inflammatory. We make barbecued lentil loaf with mashed potatoes and gravy, cheesy broccoli soup, so very good, creamy chili pasta, uh, lots of plant-based burgers. They're usually bean-based or grain-based. Sweet potato curry burgers are one of our favorites with uh, baked beans on the side. African peanut stew, lasagna roll-ups, which is made with a nut ricotta filling. Oops, too fast sloppy joes that can be made several ways. Um, stir fries, a hearty chili with cornbread. There's a cheesy tortilla bake, plant-based sorbets, and chocolate mousse. And as you can see by these photos of anti-inflammatory foods, they are anything but bland and boring. I've had many uh, clients who were previous carnivores that told me they're enjoying so much more variety and flavors now that they have switched to plant-based cooking. 
So if you decide to give this a go, I always tell people there's no need to find dozens of recipes at once. Find six or eight that you really like and then add your other ones in slowly. Otherwise, it can be very overwhelming at the start if you're new to plant-based eating. So Amy, do we have time for a quick uh, label reading lesson or? Yes, I think we should have time. I okay. do have a question. Uh, well, let's just see. We have, oh, Anne wanted to know, does a diet high in methionine also contribute to inflammation? I'd have to look that up to give you an accurate answer on that. Uh, I'd be happy to do that. But for, for now, I'd have to say I would need to look into it further before giving any educated answer. <laughs> yeah. And that, I always respect people who answer questions like that instead of just trying to guess. So yeah. very good. Thank you. Yeah. Let's talk about labels. Okay. And we, well, have, we also have a couple of true or false questions. Yeah. Let's too. do one of those now. Let's do a true or false now. Okay. Well, we have a question about Pepsi. I think we'll do that next. Say Green Warriors, type in T or F. One 12 ounce can of Pepsi contains over eight teaspoons of refined sugar. T or F, type in your guess. And Sid, what's the answer? The answer is true because, uh, oh, let's, let's talk about refined sugars in general and then we'll get to the soft drink. So we talked about refined sugars, the, the drinks, the candy, the cakes, all of that. But when it comes to how much is in a label, so one 12-ounce Pepsi contains nearly 10 teaspoons of sugar. And how do we know that? Because there are four grams of sugar in one teaspoon. And as you can see by the label here, there are 41 grams of sugar. If you go down in the nutrition facts box, almost to the bottom, under the total carbohydrates, you'll see sugars, 41 grams. 41 divided by four is roughly 10. So this pop contains the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of sugar. And if we turn our head sideways there and look at the ingredient list, we can see that high fructose corn syrup and or sugar are the source of that sugar. And both of those are sugars that we want to avoid. To avoid. So this is for a 12-ounce can. If you were to drink a 20-ounce Pepsi, that would have close to 14 teaspoons of sugar. They don't now, make are, it easy for you to figure that out, do they? <laughs> yeah. Now, there's natural sources of sugar, too, um, like from fruits, right? And dates, bananas, apples. And so you, that's why you always have to read the ingredient list, because some of the sugar could be from raisins, for example, you know, something to consider there. Next are those inflammatory oils, uh, the products that we want to avoid. Look out for all of any product that contains vegetable or seed oils or palm oil, coconut oils, olive oil, coconut butter, and those trans fats that we talked about, the hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oil. And here's that earth balanced butter, the butter that I used to buy. It's vegan. And um, before I knew better, I was eating this on my toast and everything else. But if you read the ingredient list there, almost the entire product is comprised of oils there. It has an oil blend with palm fruit oil, soybean oil, canola, olive oil, and then other salt and other things. But this product is 100% pure fat. And I can tell that because the calories are 80 in the nutrition box there, just about a third of the way down, calories are 80. Calories from fat are 80. That means this product is 100% fat. And so margarines and the fake cheeses that are out there, you know, a lot of the fake cheeses, be careful, they are also loaded with oil. Angela Fischetti said, yikes. <laughs> oh, there she is. Okay. <laughs> and again, we talked about this earlier, so I'm not going to repeat all of this. But when we talked about the heart slide, we talked about why the oils need to be avoided. Now, how do you tell if something's a whole grain or refined grain? And we have a true or false question coming up about that too. Oh, okay. Let us ask it. All right. So Green Warriors, T or F, type it in. Whole grains are health promoting because they still have their outer coatings intact. Type in your answer, T or F. Okay, Sid, what's the answer? It's true. And if you were paying attention in the previous slides, you probably know that whole grains are health promoting 
And that is because they still have their, their outer coatings attached where all the fiber and nutrition lives. Refined grains are inflammatory because those outer coatings have been stripped off or polished off. And so how can we tell if a product has, you know, if we're looking at a loaf of bread or a cereal or a cracker or anything that's going to have flour in it, how can we tell if it's whole grain or refined grain? Whole grain products will list the word whole. It'll say whole wheat, whole wheat flour, uh, whole rye, or it will say sprouted, stone ground, cracked, or rolled. Those are other keywords that mean it's still intact in its whole form. Here's a couple examples, not that these are healthy products by, you know, totally, but oh, I just wanted to show you the words whole grain wheat there on the left. That would be a whole grain. Or on the right, organic sprouted wheat. Okay, so that would be a, a whole grain, organic sprouted barley. So that word sprouted is in there. Refined grains are not going to say the word whole, even though at some point, like the cheese it crackers there on the right, it says whole grain. But if you look at the cheese it crackers, the first word is enriched flour. So you're going to see the word enriched anytime it's a refined grain. It will not say the word whole. Um, and so that product on the left there is, uh, hang on one second. I think that is for, let me find my notes. What product is that for? Um, I don't know. But what they do is they strip the, the grain of their outer coatings, they grind it, it makes into me flour. think of a pasta because of the blue on it. Oh. But I don't know. That's my guess. <laughs> okay. It's got flour, barley. Um, anyway, what they do is they strip the, the uh, coating off the grain and then they chemically enrich it because they've stripped all the nutrition off. Now they're going to add the vitamins and minerals back in chemically or spraying it in there. So that's why they say it's enriched flour because they've added um, either vitamins or minerals or other things to it. And those are the ones that are inflammatory. So if you see the word enriched, we want to avoid that. If you see a, a loaf of bread that says just wheat bread on the, on the package, and it even looks brown, but you have to still read the ingredient list because that is most likely not a whole grain product. Sometimes they uh, dye the product dark to make it look like it's a whole grain to fool you into thinking it's a whole grain. So, uh, so I think that might be a bread on the left there. And again, yeah. the cheese it crackers, which we would never buy anyway, but just to show you an example there of enriched flour. Again, we want to avoid those because the, they cause rapid digestion. There's no fiber in them, which causes our spike, a spike in our blood sugar levels, which can lead to unstable glucose levels in both diabetics and non-diabetics as well. So there we have it. White bread, hot dog buns, certain pastas, pastries, cookies, cereals. All of those things are made with refined flours. And again, it's the lack of fiber. Sometimes you might feel a high or a low after eating a refined dessert. And that's why, because that rise in blood sugar is happening because of the refined flours. So let's see, do I have another? Oh, that, by the way, that label there is for uh, crackers. That was for a package of saltine crackers where it says unbleached enriched wheat flour and see how they have um, enriched it by adding niacin and all these vitamins back into it. Now, after that, you'll see whole wheat flour listed there. So the product does have a little whole wheat flour but on the label, products are listed by volume by what's in there the most. So this product has more unbleached enriched flour than any other item ingredient. So does that make sense? Plus it has oil. So we would never eat this anyway. <laughs> but just an example of, of how enriched flour will look on a label. Okay, well, that is just a really brief little tip. That was a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's kind of like drinking from a, a fire hydrant. We're going to have to watch it all again. We had another question from Anne. Oh, so yeah. She's our star student today. Uh, if you had to pick one thing that is most important to start with from all of your advice today, for those of us still struggling, what would it be? I'm torn between oils and dairy. Dairy is a known cancer promoter because of the casein protein. Oils are highly inflammatory and also 
deleterious to your arteries and everything else. So, um, oh, if I had to pick one, that is a toughie. I would, I would say the dairy because you're going to be eating more choices with that more saturated fat. You know, the cheese and yogurts and the ice cream, but oils are right there too. I would, I would have a hard choice, but. I feel that when you when you eliminate the dairy, there, there, I think that you might notice something happening sooner as far as how you feel if you eliminate the dairy because a lot of people are either highly allergic or they have some other reactions with their skin and, and all kinds of things that are happening because of dairy. And so I think that the reward might be quicker with the mm-hmm. dairy. And then yeah. that then that would give you the inspiration to go on with the next thing. And oil can be tricky because there are just so many foods that that it's hidden, and it it'd be a bigger change for somebody to have to make for a newbie to have to make. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. I it's it's they're both not very good. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll say dairy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here's my last slide. So I do, this was a condensed course today. There's a 90 minute class on my website. And if you are a follower of Be Green with Amy, there's a coupon code for you there. You could get 50% off that class, the one that I taught at the college. Yeah. And we'll put that information in the show notes as well. So yeah, we felt like we went to college today. That that was a, a <laughs> <laughs> I believe this- education is the key. You know, I would not be where I am today had I not learned. It's what keeps me motivated. How about you, Amy? It's exactly you- that's one of the reasons why I do this because we're surrounded by people that don't have the education and they just have the misinformation. And it's so easy to fall out of this lifestyle if you're surrounded with people like that and you don't immerse yourself in education, like today's presentation. And also, if you can get yourself in with a tribe, like we have the Green Warriors here and other places have people, it, and just every day, watch something, listen to, I have a Be Green with Amy podcast, so you can download it if you're flying on an airplane or, or going somewhere without internet. There's always a way, and other people do this as well, so there's always a way, and there's great books like the plan a diet which you have and it's a wonderful book and you can do all these things and if every day you're doing that and knowing the why and having the information then when that little temptation is in your ear or when you're seeing other people doing the the inflammatory diet you'll remember wait a minute there's a reason for this and i love how this diet is not just for inflammation, right, Sid? Oh, no. It prevents and reverses pretty much every one of our top killers and every chronic ailment. Oh, Definitely. Okay. And Angela said, this is a great class. I took this about proudly display my certificate. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to take this course regardless of lifestyle and food style choices. Yes. That's a see. That's a <laughs> there you go, guys. And Angela is a, is a regular presenter on Be Green with Amy, and she's very knowledgeable about a lot of things. So I, I trust her. <laughs> yeah, she is. Well, thank you so much for having me. Is there are there any other questions? Or? I'm going to look and see if we have any other questions. Oh, well, we do have a comment from Angela. And she said, hello from South Beach. So happy I could make a part of the show. I adore Sid Nader and her wonderful work. I have learned more from Sid anti-inflammation than from any doctor. That's a big deal, Sid. Wow. I believe thank it. You. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you, Angela. Yeah. And if the you feelings, go ahead. Oh, the feelings are mutual. Oh. I, I think she's an expert in her field and I've yes. had her on my show as well. Yes. interviewed her and um yeah she knows her stuff yeah and if you and if you also if you want to get the book that's another resource too and i love the book because it kind of talks about some scriptures in there as well because some people may be looking to get some inspiration or or knowledge and so there's a few different scripture quotes throughout the book that kind of make you think so this is a this is a wonderful resource as well Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much, Sid. I mean, the time went by so quickly, but you gave us so much information about inflammation. And you talked about the common contributors and then the everyday ailments and what we can do to find relief, most importantly. So everybody click like, and that's the way we applaud for Sid. And it's also, when you do that, it makes people who are looking around for information to know that this is something that they should watch too. So Green Warriors, tell us what you're going to remember. What was your takeaway from today's presentation? And please stay tuned for a special announcement. I'm going to also thank Just Test Voice because she did our promos and she did the voiceovers. And Just Test Voice, who's coming up next? At age 72, Esther went from size 26 to size 6. Esther will talk about self-love and how when you hold yourself in high esteem, you're more likely to choose things that nurture your well-being. Join us on Friday, January 27th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Be Green with Amy Live. And I especially want to thank all of you, my audience, Green Warriors. As a special thank you to you, I'm offering you five free recipes. So if you just go to my website, which is begreenwithamy.com, and if you type in that slash join, I'll send them to you. Now, please, all of you, take your right hand and grab your left shoulder and take your left hand and grab your right shoulder. Now squeeze. That's a hug from me to you. <laughs> because <laughs> we all need that. That helps That helps a lot too. So if you would like to join me and Sid with my tagline, you can type it in the comments as we sign off. Are you ready, Sid? Yeah. Okay. Well, until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. green. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks, Sid. Thank you, Amy. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be 